0: What a worshipful experience we've had today, and I'm thankful to God for every dimension of it, the prayers, the comments, the singing, and just the evidencing of the power of God through each element. God bless you for great leadership that you've provided. I've assumed my preacher's prerogative today, and I certainly don't want those in our IT department to think that I'm schizophrenic, you do have a title up there that I gave you. Matter of fact, I updated it, but I'm looking at our our time, and I'm not gonna shortchange the power of God today, but I'm gonna shortchange my rhetoric. So you can take that title down for us. We're gonna use something else, and you don't have to put it up if you don't want to. It's okay at this juncture. But thank you for inviting me back, and uh, Dr. Rose, I'm really happy to be here during your pastoral tenure, one whom I love and respect and revere as God's servant, uh, for your humility, for your commitment to correctness in terms of how God ordains you to operate as a leader and as a preacher. We celebrate that with you. I think we ought to affirm in our hearts the gift that God has given us as a leader here in our church right now through Pastor Rose and Pastor Jen. God bless you. You know that I love you and value you as well. Uh, I I do have, uh, tomorrow um, is the uh, constituency session for the Kentucky-Tennessee conference, and I'm always nervous when I'm dealing with Florida weather in terms of flights being delayed and getting me out, Um, and it will be a tragedy, and I probably will be fired if I don't make that constituency meeting since I have to chair it. So I must be there, and I'll get out of here immediately following the sermon. I usually hang around for special days when I'm here to get good food and good fellowship because you all are really the best. You all are my friends, and I really, really value you. Uh, I won't be hanging around long. I'll be heading straight to the airport. But a couple of weeks from now, I'll be coming back to the Florida Conference because we have a constituency meeting here at Florida Conference. I believe, is that the second weekend in October? Yes, so we'll be... Yeah, October 9, we'll be here there and I'll be chairing the election process there. So I'm going to do the very same deference on that end to make sure I get here. But today I want to direct your attention to a passage of scripture and permit me uh, to use the title uh, that I hope is not offensive, but the title is power to the people, power to the people. I wanna turn to the first chapter of 1 Corinthians. I'd like us to consider verses 17 through 25. I'm not gonna read the entire passage, but the, the implication is clear. The weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. That's the implication of the passage. You know that's good news, isn't it? It's great news. The weakness of God is stronger than the strength of men. God at his weakest, my dear brother, is stronger than man at his strongest. God in his most vulnerable moment is wiser than all the wise men put together in their wisest moment. As I use that flip title in uh, in, in embracing a concept that is used in our culture a lot, power to the people, I want to talk about the power of the cross. Pray with me for just a moment, if you will, as we invite God's presence. Heavenly Father, for the next few moments, it is our deep desire that you will take absolute control. In Jesus' name, amen. In Paul's day, when he wrote this passage, it was a time when might was right. The strong prevailed, the rich controlled, the influential had power. Those with education, those with education seemed to have dominated. It was inconceivable to the powerful, influential people of Paul's day. It was inconceivable, church, for them to ever make themselves vulnerable. They liked their power. They possessed their power. They caressed their power. They amassed their power. They worshiped their power. They had no thought of ever getting rid of that power. The Romans would rule for some 400 years. The Greeks before them would rule some 300 years. The Persians before them would rule some 200 years. The Babylonians before them some 250 years. In Paul's day, When folks had power, they kept the power. Please don't think it's a whole lot different in the year 2022. Can I get a witness? Most folk I know, when they've got it, they're keeping it. That's why I never believed in this concept that I heard years ago called trickle-down economics. I've never seen anybody I know benefiting from it trickling down yet. Most folks, when they have it, they keep it. They possess it. They grow it. They pass laws to see that you never get it. Come on and say amen, somebody. Inconceivable in Paul's day, yea, in our day, when you've got it, You let it go. And so, in Paul's time, to make yourself weak was foolishness. It was a time of slaves and masters. The few had much, the many had little. The world could not relate to a God with that kind of power. The world could not relate to a God that would make himself powerless in order to win. I hope you're hearing me. I'm talking about the power of the cross. Inconceivable. Beyond thought that any God would do such a thing. In Paul's day, people sacrificed to their gods. No one ever heard of a God sacrificing himself to his people. It was inconceivable that a God would sacrifice himself to his people. What I'm suggesting to you this afternoon is the intellectual concept of the cross, hear me, the intellectual concept of the cross defies all human thinking. You don't just spread yourself and get into a ring with a prize fighter knowing that you've not trained. You run the risk of being knocked out Or as Deontay Wilder would say, you you know, night, night, and you'll wake up wondering what happened. It's going to be fist city and glove swinging. Yes, because you don't fight ill-prepared or with your hands tied. I'm trying to emphasize the cross is foolish. Watch this for at least two reasons. One, It does not harmonize with the way people keep power. Number two, you don't expect to win when you can't fight. But as I got more granular in this text, another implication evolved. The cross is also foolishness for this reason that I'm about to articulate. Have you ever read Genesis, the first chapter? Let me tell you, I've read it multiple times and I get the same effect. Let me tell you what I see there. I see there a mighty God, I see there a powerful God, I see there a God who speaks and life and light appear. I see a God who talks and air appears. I see a God who speaks and plants come up out of nowhere. I don't know what you call that folk, I call that power. I see a God who can tickle the belly of the Red Sea and it stands up on his tiptoes until he stops tickling. That's a God of power. It does not make sense to me. Really doesn't. Doesn't make sense to have that kind of power and then make yourself vulnerable. Hear me, just go on. I do a lot of evangelism, and that's my prayer. I pray all the time. I'm trying to get people ready and poised to be baptized, to be members of the church. Just go on and make them be saved, Lord. I'm sure as Sister Jessie and her team engage in the Hope Ministry projects around the world, around the globe, and particularly in this city, they're trying to position themselves to make an impact. And I pray as I'm trying to reach the world for Jesus through evangelism, that God will just make folk be good. Hear me. Make them stop smoking. I'm trying to baptize them. Make them stop drinking. Make them stop carousing. Just go on and make them good, God. Don't fool with their hard stiff necks. Just make them. You've got the power. Use it. You know, ladies and gentlemen, the cross is foolishness for a God with that kind of power. I'm trying to be practical. The cross is foolishness. For a God with that kind of power to make himself vulnerable. He used it once. You can go to Revelation, the 12th chapter, and read about God's use of his power. He knows how to use power. Revelation, chapter 12, I start around verse 7. The Bible declares clearly and succinctly there was war in heaven. Think about it. Michael and the commentaries agree that was Jesus. And his angels fought against the dragon. That was the devil. And the dragon and his angels fought back. But the Bible declares he was not strong enough. How come you all aren't saying amen when I say that part? He was not strong enough. The devil whipping your head every day. I'm glad to read a text that says he wasn't strong enough sometime. Let me say it again one more time. He was not strong enough. I'm glad to know that sometimes the devil can be weak. But he was not strong enough. And the Bible declares they lost their place in heaven. God, after showing some mercy. God, after showing some grace. God, after showing some patience, he kicked the rascal out. Didn't he do it? And I've always tried to imagine how that fight actually was. I wondered if they had actual swords or whether they fought each other with these thought boats. You know, I kind of grew up watching a lot of science fiction. You know, some of you aren't old like me. I just, see I'm so old, but you don't know how old I am. I got, I got dye in my hair. What y'all laughing at? I, I see brothers laughing at me. Don't be laughing at me. I use just for men. You know, as I, I go back and I think about, I think about one step beyond. The Outer Limits. See, you all can't remember that stuff. I remember it. Alfred Hitchcock. The Twilight Zone. I used to read all these action figure comics. I wondered how they fought in in heaven, whether they had actual swords or whether they fought each other with thought bolts. You know, thought bolts from the mind. My mind gets carried away. I watched a lot of science fiction. I really try to picture that thing. But you know, one thing is clear, Pastor. One thing is clear. God had power, and he used it. So the cross is foolish because you have an example not only of a creating God calling something out of nothing, but a God who had power, used his power, and dominated. The question of this sermon, so why? When my salvation is at stake... Why, when it's crunch time for me and the issues are on, are on the table and, and the chips are down, why are you fooling around, God? Get off the cross. Handle my stuff for me. Folk aren't cooperating with you, Lord. Just knock them on the head. The power of the cross really doesn't line up to me. Hang with me. I mean, he's got the power. I mean, he can outfight angels. If he thinks, if he thinks too hard, an angel appears, the winds obey his will. In Isaiah 7 and verse 14, he started teasing the devil. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and shall bear a son. Now, you know the devil read that text. He was looking over Isaiah's shoulder when he wrote. I can hear him as he says, all right, you all, we've got a clue. Watch all the virgins, you all. And I see all the evil angels fanning out over all the planet. Watch the virgins. He's not going to slip anything in on us, but the devil could not conceive. I'm sure the devil expected when Jesus would be born, he'd be born a king. Come on now. He'd be born in the White House. Yes, sir. They were looking for him to come in an ostentatious manner. Who had their minds on Bethlehem? Who had their minds on a manger? Who had their minds on an ordinary person riding a donkey married to an ordinary carpenter? Who had their minds on that? What I'm trying to suggest to you folks is simple and succinct. I want you to listen to me very carefully. It's not going to be long. Very simple and succinct. God, hear me, does not operate the way we operate you give us a position give us a little power give us a little money in our pocket or the development of an investment of some sort hear what I'm saying give us a badge give us a degree give us a responsibility even in church we try to overpower but God overwhelms with his love When we're strategizing and we're arguing, God is quiet. When we're upset, God is calm. When we're planning how we're going to get folks back, God just allows love to do its work. And so he slipped in just when the devil was looking one way. He comes up small, a little baby, chubby, helpless, unable. I mean a human baby can't even raise his own head, you all. How in the world is that going to be my savior? Ah, but Isaiah said his shoulders might be soft, they might be round, but the government shall be on his shoulders. You might be a little baby who can't talk, but he is the prince of peace, the mighty God, the everlasting father. Thank you, Jesus. Wrapped up in a little baby's form. Jesus was already doing it to the devil. Somebody say amen out there. Oh, yes. Just crying and waving his little fat fist, Kicking those little fat heels. And the devil is scared to death. You've got to get a good feeling down inside. What are we going to do about this baby? How are we going to fix him? And the record is clear. They dogged him for 33 and one half years. I hope you're listening to me, church. Worked on him. Frustrated him. Made him hungry, tired, and afflicted. As a matter of fact, even his own friends forsook him and fled. He never said a mumbling word. Now, you all have invited me back. I want you to invite me back again. But since I'm already elected for for the third uh, quinquennial term, let me just say, don't mess with me like that. I'll say more than a word. I'll tell you right now, folks, please don't test my Christianity. I'm not there yet. That's embarrassing to say as a union president. I must confess before God, I'm not there. But let me also say, be glad I'm not your savior. I would have blown it the first time you spat in my face. It might be the last spit that you spat. But you see, folk, listen to me. The reason why I react that way, you got to hear this. The The reason we as human beings react that way is because we are fundamentally insecure. But when you know who you are and you know where you came from and you know that all power is in your hand. You don't have to show off. You know you've got it when you need it. Just take it easy. Thank you, Jesus. He was able to lay back, lay low, be cool at the cross. He cried out in the garden of Gethsemane, Father, if there be any other possible way, please take this thing away from me. And the Father made it clear, Son, There is no other way. They must be saved by love, not by overwhelming power, but by overwhelming, inexpressible, unexplainable love. All the unfallen worlds were there. They couldn't imagine it. Really? King of kings? Lord of lords? Captain of the lords? Whole second person of the Godhead? They couldn't imagine it. As a matter of fact, that's why Judas betrayed him. Judas could never believe that Jesus was going to fight that way. And in those moments, if Jesus had just gotten slightly angry, all around him, hands would have withered. Knees would have gone limp. The soldier's spears would have bent against his side. I hope you're hearing me, but he said, this is the way it must be. This is the price it must be. I've got to show Ron Smith. It's not in might. It's in right. It's not in might. It's in doing what God says. Not by power. Not by fussing. Not by worrying. But by trusting in God. I've got to show my people how to do it. Sometimes when you get talked about. Sometimes when you get messed on, sometimes when you get played with, sometimes you get upset. I've got to show you, God says, I've got to show you that when you're innocent as Jesus is, you can take it. So surely, watch this, surely when you're guilty as we all are, you ought to take it. So he hung there. He could have just pulled off a special production for that day. They challenged him. If you're a God, pull your hands out. They could have said like Bob Barker, if you're a God, then come on down. He could have done it. He could have just snatched his hands out of those nails. Talk about special effects. Jesus could have showed off that day. He could have just snatched his hands from the cross with the nails still in his palms. He could have just stopped the bleeding. He could have just let the soldier put the spear in his side then close up the cut right after that and make those around him confoundingly stupid. But he took it. Why? Because Ron must understand that sin costs It costs so much, Ron, that one day when your body can't get sick because I've made it new, when one day your clothes don't wear out because you've got a white robe woven in the looms of heaven, when one day you don't need new shoes because they're shiny, gold, brand new every day, when one day you have no need of anything, and that day, Ron, you'll be perfect. And a body that has no marks on it. But I'll still have holes in my hands and holes in my feet and a hole in my side. And everything is going to be perfect and hunkadory except me, Ron. That's what your sin caused. I've got to show you. I've got to show you. Talk about power. A manifestation of power to the people of God and to other people as well. So he hung there. And they kept spouting their disrespectful, at God. Agitating God. Can you imagine the restraint? That's why Ellen White says the Lord God himself couldn't take it any longer, so he covered his son up in a cloud. It was getting to the Father. And Jesus had to reason with his Father Father, please forgive them. They've got positions, they've got reputations. They have what they think are important assets. Forgive them, Lord. They've got badges. They've got degrees. They really don't understand the implication of what's going on here. We've got to stick this thing through. We've come this far by faith, God. We can't stop now. But then finally, when every sin, watch this, that was ever committed, that was ever going to be committed, was being committed at that time, pressed on his shoulders, Jesus himself felt what the lost will feel, He felt what the lost will feel, and he cried out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's why Ellen White says in the book, Desire of Ages, Jesus, watch this, Jesus died the death of those who will, as well as those who will not be saved. For you, he experienced eternal separation symbolically, so that you might have an eternal relationship Realistically, the power of the cross is that in the moment when you would expect the great and powerful and all-consuming God to really stick it to the devil, he showcased power. He just spread his arms in love. Hallelujah! And he spread his feet, and he dropped his head. But he knew he had won. And that phrase I did a little research on, he cried out... It is finished. Did a little research on that. You know, there are a whole lot of contemporary interpretations of what that means. A whole lot of commentaries, a whole lot of theological literature that sort of extrapolates that out of what we call responsible exegesis, what that means, Master. It is finished. But I found one that interested me. It is finished is translated in our culture to, 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 to be, hey, hey, devil, gotcha. You were looking for a mighty demonstration, gotcha. In my weakest, I'm strongest. In my most vulnerable state, I'm smarter than you. You thought it would be hand-to-hand combat. It was heart-to-heart destruction. Let me suggest something to you. You can't outlove God. You can't stand in the power of my love, Ron. I will mow you down with my love every time. Say what you want, but one day love has a way of catching up with you. I better get my musician so I can wrap this up. He's a wonderful God. The devil knew it was over. John saw it. And he cried out in the 12th chapter of Revelation, Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth. The devil has come down to you. He knows he's got a short time. I've got news for you, folks. Just hold on. Time is running out, not just for you, but it's running out for the devil as well. How come you're not shouting out there? Time is running out for that rascal, and he knows it. That's why he bugs your path every day, young lady, to make you think you can't win. But the good, good news is, you have already won. Thank God for the power of the cross. Now, I wish I had something to give you. Sister Jessie, I will give you an appropriation from the Southern Union on Tuesday morning. It will be in your mailbox. The same appropriation I give every year. But this year, you know, Jessie, she kind of put me, she put, she put a Holy Ghost pistol next to my head. She says, uh, uh, "I said, what did I do last year? Did I do da 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 last year?" She says, "Yes." I said, "Well, send me an invoice." She says, "No, no, 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 no." She says, "Up it, up it, up it, up it, up it, up it." So I might have to do a little bit more than I did last year. I wish I had something to give each of you, but I don't. I wish I had power to ascribe to you, but I don't, except through the example of Jesus. But one thing I will give you, I will give you Jesus. What is he? Is he just a speech pathologist when you're unable to articulate and conceptualize? What is Jesus after all? Is he just a neurologist when you've had a stroke? What is Jesus after all? Is he just... A physical therapist when you can't walk because of a stroke like I suffered 22 years ago? And he raised me up and gave me another chance. What is he? Is he just a physician when you don't feel well? What is Jesus after all? Is he just a good passenger when you've got a sinking boat? Is he just a grocer when you've got some hungry folk? You know, I'm glad he's at least that. But praise God, he's more. Somebody has said, when you don't have a job, he's the best employment agent in the universe. When you don't have a friend, he's the best friend you could ever find. Somebody has declared, when when, when you don't have a reputation anymore because you've done something silly, You've done something stupid, and you're embarrassed, and it's hard to hold up your head. He's a robe to cover your shame. He's Adam's redeemed. He's Abraham's sacrifice. He's Isaac's hope. He's Jeremiah's bones of fire. He's Amos's justice. He's Hosea's love. He's Micah's mercy. He's Esther's determination. I say it this way. He's my bread when I'm hungry. He's my water when I'm thirsty. When I get down to my last dime, he steps right in on time. Somebody has said, he's my sacrifice. He's my priest pleading for my atonement. He's my Shekinah that lights the dark way. He's the fail through which I reach God. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the savior for any sinner who wants salvation. He's intercessor supreme. He's mediator, redeemer, restorer. He's the one who possesses all power in heaven and in earth. I need to do something. If you love Jesus right now, I want you to stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet if you love him. And I want to do something. Might be better if I'm up here. I want to declare this carpet right here, this carpet, this area. Let me get up here and give you a room. As an, urgent, as an urgent care center, a divine, a divine emergency room. Somebody has come to church today. You've got an illness of some magnitude. I don't know what it is, but here's what I found out. The God I serve is a healer. He can fix all manner of illness, cancer. He cleans it up. I could tell you about my cancer. Come on now. Two kinds of cancer I had. Mm. But I ain't got it no more. Because my God is a healer. I can tell you if I had time, I had a stroke. I was crippled. Doctor said I would never walk again. But my wife will tell you, I do five miles every day as a 66-year-old man. Don't tell me that God can't fix stuff. I want to declare this carpet. You might be praying for a child. Maybe you're praying for a spouse, an illness, I don't know. Maybe you're praying for yourself. Maybe the blood work came back revelatory of something that frightens you, I don't know. I want to invite you to just come and just come down this aisle. I'm going to pray for you. It's going to get fixed today. I promise you. I promise you. The wheels are going to start turning today for whatever that issue is. Just come on down and stay in the, and stand in this urgent care center by faith. It might seem playful. It's not playful. This thing is real. It's real. It could be an emotional challenge. A physical challenge. God says, I can fix it. I I heal, I heal demoniacs. I cleanse lepers. People who were crippled, people who had hematological disorders, I fixed it for them. I can fix your stuff. Bring your child, grab your spouse, grab somebody and just press as close as you can. Go against the walls if that's as close as you can get. That's okay. But push in. Just come on, make some room. Use every inch for somebody to get to the prayer room, to the urgent care center today. That's my first appeal for you. My second appeal. Somebody's having some financial challenges, business challenges. I don't know what it is, but it's deep. And guess what? You're, you're safe. This is a safe place. You know why? You might be praying for somebody else or you might be praying for yourself. So step out and give God a chance. You need to take that business to the next level. Need to get a roof over your head. Need some tuition money. Need to clear up some student loan debt. You're choking to death because the devil has got a vice on you, vice grip. That thing is going to get fixed today because God is about to rain down not just manna, but resourcefulness to give you a breakthrough in your financial situation. This is an emergency room. My third category, there's some relationship challenges here. Something is going wrong with a special friend. A relationship of some sort. A marriage. Maybe a church relationship on the house. On On the house front in the schoolhouse, in the place of employment. I don't know. God says, I'm gonna restore a relationship today. And you're gonna take the first step. I'm gonna give you the power and the resourcefulness to get through that. And finally, some have pressed in because there's some strongholds. There's some strongholds. We need the power of God. The Bible says, if the son therefore shall make you free, you shall be free indeed yes. you think you're trapped step into the emergency room today and watch God unleash totally facilitate your emancipation and freedom might be a substance stuff that we can't talk about in this church Might be it might be alcohol I don't know It might be a relationship you're in that you need to break free from. God breaks chains. So now that you're here, may I pray for you today, please? May I please pray for you today? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, here we are. Lord, there are sick people that have come down. There are people who carry children and loved ones and, and people they appreciate in their hearts right to this emergency room. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus, the same hand that, that healed the man by the pool of Bethesda, the same hand that raised Jairus' daughter, the same hand that healed the Syrophoenician woman, the same hand that healed the woman with the issue of blood for 12 long years. Oh God, whatever has come to this altar, oncological, hematological, neurological oh god whatever it is maybe the blood work has come back revelatory of something oh god i pray in the name of jesus right now that you would stretch your mighty hand and heal lord we talked about your power you've got the power oh god i pray for healing right now here we are lord we've come in faith Don't disappoint your child who's come down here to this altar, to this urgent care space. Oh, God, please reward their faith. Reward their faith. Don't disappoint them, oh, God. I pray they've come and you will deliver. Secondly, oh, Lord, I pray for somebody who's having a business challenge. You know exactly what it is. You know who it is. You know where it is. You know exactly where the resourcefulness and the fix will be coming from. I pray, oh God, that you will just turn the wheels today. Lord, it might be something that will just pop up in a mailbox on Monday morning. It might be a call that might come through on Monday afternoon. Oh God, I don't know what the issue is, but Lord, I know that you can fix business. You fix mine. You can fix business. You can fix finances. Lord, there are some relationships that are challenged right now on the home front, in the business market. Oh God, I, play, I pray in a very special way that you would reestablish intimacy, that you would upscale communication, that you would rebuild an opportunity for people to trust and to rebuild trust. Relationships that have been broken, oh God, for some reason, I pray that you will just bring them back together. Foster reconciliation. Give us olive branches, oh Lord, that we might engage in olive branch ministry. Give us the power to say, I'm sorry. Fix relationships, we beg between husband and wife, between parent and child, between friends, between boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh God, I pray that you will fix relationships in the schoolhouse with the professor. I pray that you will fix relationships in the marketplace, in the workplace. I pray that you will fix relationships in the church. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you might heal relationships. And finally, Lord, there are some strongholds here. There's some of us walking around With a monkey on our backs Stuck onto us like a piece of Velcro Hard to get off Kind of like a Lee press-on nail Just can't get it off Oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus That we might claim the promise If the Son sets us free We can be free indeed My prayer, oh God, right now Is that you will break every chain So Lord, here we are we are in the urgent care center, we brought our sick, we brought our illnesses. We may not have named the disease, Lord, whether it's upper respiratory, whether it's dementia, whether it's arthritis, cancer, diabetes, heart disease. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, exercise your power in an uncommon manner. We brought our sick. We brought our financial situations, our business. We brought our relationships. We brought our strongholds. And now, oh God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would move over these people right now. Oh God, stretch your mighty hand and heal and fix. And then, Lord, do something for us. Give us the assurance right now, oh God, that it's been done. This was not a perfunctory exercise. This was a clean, heartfelt petition straight from our hearts to your throne. Fix it, Lord. Resolve it, Lord. Bring the healing and restoration, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now, ladies and gentlemen, don't move. Here's what I need you to do right now. You can't just ask. You got to ask, but you must also believe and claim. So what I'm asking you to do is raise your hand right now and just say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus." It is done in Jesus' name. Just hug the person nearest to you right now in celebration for what God is getting ready to do and what He has already done. is going to be manifested in your hearing and seeing sooner than you could ever realize. May God bless you. This podcast was brought to you by Plantation's 7-Day Adventist Church, a Christ-centered congregation dedicated to spreading the good news of God's love through sermons, deeper dive conversations, and much more. If you would like to listen to more life lessons and inspirational content, please visit us at plantationsda.tv.